The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, Pride of Detroit on... You know, I was going to do a joke about X, but no, we're still calling it Twitter, and you can't stop us from doing that. Live now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. We are coming to you now after day two of Lions training camp. That means training camp's underway. It means we're no longer doing previews. We're talking about players on the field. All sorts of really cool stuff. And yes, a little bit of panic on the side here to start us off here this week, because as we just said on the pregame show, feels like three days have gone by very quickly. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter and Chris Perfett on threads, just in case Elon Musk X blows this crap up again. And you can always catch us in the Pride of Detroit Discord. If you don't know how, just ask someone, they'll get you an invite. Joining me, as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, maybe just a little bit of fear, you know, maybe one fear at Detroit Online. How are we doing, Jeremy? Uh, like you said, very, very long day uh, here in, in Michigan, in Allen Park, Detroit, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm thankful to be busy. I guess I didn't expect to quite be this busy with uh, a whole bunch of things to talk about. And we're we have so much to recap this show. It's uh, it's going to be I feel like it's going to be another supersized one. This is we're getting back to three segments and couldn't be better. And speaking of getting someone back, man who took a little bit of time away. It's the rock god, Ryan Matthews, senior editor at Ryan underscore P.O.D. Ryan salute. Salute. Some of it my fault, some of it AT&T's fault, but um, we're not here to throw blame. We're yes, we are. We're just here to embrace the chaos. So We've, we've, we've bullied comp- corporations before. We will absolutely bully AT&T for how many, however many days they left you in the Stone Ages. Hey, we apparently we've maybe done enough bullying to get another company back in bed with us, but m- more on that later. Yeah, I don't think we have the green light for that yet, but let's talk training camp. Let's talk training camp. Uh, first show note, in case you haven't noticed... Big thank you to Jeremy and to Eric Schlitt for daily mini podcasts all every day after every training camp practice. We are going to have that going for the two weeks we have of training camp. Been fun, man. Um, it's it's a nice way to kind of get information out there quick and in a different way. 
um, and kind of have it more conversational than than some of our daily observations. And so, you know, it's it's to maybe a little bit different off- audience than the written pod, but it's also it's a it's a more colloquial way to to talk about it. And then if you want kind of the nitty gritty stuff, Eric always yeah. brings it in the in the written observations every day. We have to use the Jeremy Reisman media room somehow, even if someone is drilling on the wall while you are recording. The the Reisman recording room? Rice, is, is the, the, R, the triple R? That's right. Speaking of triples, I think I'm going to drop the last of our uh, first batch of triple Ds, deep dish dives here this week as well, concerning sports Twitter, which means at some point we'll be recording more. And we also welcome in Miko Scott, who has great content on the YouTube page. So please go check him out. Uh, our hostile takeover of Miko Scott's content has finished. Well, let's talk training camp. Uh, Jeremy is a little busy right now, I think, with what's going on. I want to pitch this question of Ryan before we really get in deep, because last week I asked Jeremy and Morgan Cannon, our Green Ranger, about this question. And I asked them, who do you think has the most to prove in training camp with the top of the roster and the bottom? So, Ryan, if you can give us a couple minutes, if you have anyone you would say for that answer before we deep dive into what we've seen so far, who would you think those are for you? Like someone who needs to prove it to make the roster, but also someone who's safe, but you still want to see a lot out of this training camp. Oh, okay. So you want answers for both of those kind of scenarios. You know Um, what? If you just want to do one of them for either of the categories, I'm fine with that too. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I feel like maybe the the player with the most to prove might be Levi Onzorike, right? I mean, this is somebody who, myself included, I think we we had kind of talked him off the roster, so to speak, and maybe thought that his football days were behind him. So I, I would have to say the, the first name that came to my head when you asked me that question before you kind of painted different scenarios, um, what was Levi Onzorike, just because he hasn't really done a whole lot in his NFL career up to this point. And, you know, the back injury has, has limited him his, his entire career. So he, he has everything to prove though. And, and if he could be a healthy contributor to that, to this team, all of a sudden, again, like this is so totally off my radar. If he's somebody who can be on the field and be playing, well, now all of a sudden the interior defensive line doesn't seem so shallow. And it seems like they might actually have a little bit of depth there. Um, so I, I think Levi would be the name for me for a player that has the most to prove. I, I also think the right guard competition is really interesting too with, with Graham and, and with Vitae. I, I mean, who's, who's going to start there. They're rotating. It, it seems like it's going to be, and it shouldn't be to anybody's surprise, Jeremy. Right. But I, I think in, in all cases in every camp battle may the best man win. Yeah, that and honestly, that's the camp battle that I had also kind of brushed aside a little bit. Um, I, I kind of assumed it was Vitae's job and and Graham was going to back up and that was that. And maybe that is what the feeling is behind closed doors. But, you know, day one, Graham was starting at right guard. Day two, it, it was Vitae. Again, maybe that's a ramp up period for Vitae. I think I'd like to get clarification from that from from the coaching staff if we can in the next couple of days here. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think the the more level-headed read on that is that it's going to be a competition. And so, yeah, those, the, I mean, Graham has obviously a ton to to prove after a, a tough go in, in Denver and Vitae has a lot to prove because he can't stay, he hasn't been able to stay healthy and he hasn't had a ton of, you know, really documented success at guard. He was decent at it when he was healthy here, but it's not, there's not a ton of experience there. And so I think he, yeah, I think both those guys, that's a good answer. Both those guys, I think have a lot to prove. 
and I think it makes the guard position really fascinating because I was, you know, I, I was thinking about this, like if Vitae then falls down there, like you, you, you worry, you wonder about the guard depth on what you're going to do there. I was listening to our roar of the lions friends and they were talking about Glasgow's position on this roster about, and I think one of them was making the comment in regards to, well, you got Colby Sorsdale now. You want to like that's your youth and your depth, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to suss out the guard depth if, and especially if it gets uh, fixed up, because I don't know if Vitae would really be comfortable just being a depth player at this point in his career either. I, I mean, he loves Panay though. Like I think does, I think he's he just happy to be on a roster. And and so I think I think he yeah you know, he wouldn't like demand a trade or anything at this point in career if no, I mean, no he doesn't no. he didn't even have a leg to stand on to to do something like that I know I know there are some people that out there that think Graham you know isn't safe on this roster and maybe it's it's confidence in someone like Colby Sorsdal but as much as like I'm high on Corby Sorsdal as a long term project that dude is coming from William and Mary all right like there is a huge jump. In, in talent, he's, I mean, he's repping with the third team at this point, like maybe, maybe a long-term starter at this point, if he is your depth, if he's your number one guard depth, that's bad news. So I think, I think the line should be happy that they have two guys that are capable of starting right now. There would be absolutely no reason to get one of those guys, get rid Move, of one of those guys. Moving on to Anzarike real quick too. I want to pitch this to you, Jeremy, because one of the big uh, surprises I think we had after our preview podcast was that Anzarike did not start on the pup list. Yeah. Which I think to Ryan's point, he was completely off the radar. And I think we, we kind of said, maybe he's just going to not even start, you know, healthy for this year. He is, which immediately puts him in competition for the defensive tackles. Yeah. So I think that adds more pressure on him to, to go, but it's also a positive sign. Yeah. I mean, he, he, when we talked to him after, after Sunday's practice, he was all smiles. Like he was just so excited to be out there. So excited to get an opportunity to really get his NFL career off, off, the ground here. Yeah. I mean, he played 16 games in his rookie season, which is always easy to forget, but you know, they were, they were saying in, in meetings, he couldn't even sit down with, with the pain he was dealing with. So this is really a brand new start for him. And listen, they're, they're going to start him slow again. He's a guy who's also ramping up very slowly. He's not, he's repping with like the third and fourth teams. He's not getting a lot of teamwork. Um, so it, 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 he's, he's getting put in a tough situation here, right? It's, it's again, that thing where you're year one off a pretty serious injury. You're not going to have a ton of reps early in practice. You're going to have to make an impression pretty quick. So I'm not here. Gonna, I'm not here. I'm not going to sit here and say, Levi has no shot at the roster, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Oh, he's healthy. Now, as long as he stays healthy, he's on the roster. No, like, no, even if he stays healthy, he needs to prove he can beat out some of these guys. He has to prove that that he has a future better than someone like Christian Covington and, and an older guy or, you know, better than than Benito Jones. Right. If if we're talking about interior spots, there's probably three that are already claimed and they might just roll with three. If there's that fourth spot, Levi's going to have to win it over guys that that they know can contribute now. Um, and they, they Levi needs to somehow convey that he can not only contribute now, but he can contribute later in, in, in a much better fashion. And so you're right. He has a ton to prove. Um, but, but the fact that he's getting the opportunity to prove it is, is huge. Uh, let's move on to, we'll cut that out in post. <laughs> let's move on. Speaking of the pup, uh, Emmanuel Mosley, obviously starting on pup, but I believe he's going to be on there longer than we expected which is yeah. a little bit of a blow to to DB depth uh, in my book. Something that 
set up for not 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 the most scary news in defensive backs we had today. Right. But, you know, it. what, what do you make of Mosley? Like, how long do you think he's going to really last on there, Jeremy? It's Jeremy, tough. I, I, Jeremy, I want you to do something real quick, though. Explain yeah. to everybody like their kindergartner that Emmanuel Mosley being at Allen Park doesn't mean he's going to be on the field playing football. Right. OK, yes, because there was a comment today from from Dan Campbell who said, like, we hope to have Emmanuel Mosley back by the end of the week. He was not saying I hope to have him back on the field by the end of the week. Emmanuel Mosley is not currently at the Lions facility because he's dealing with this injury. Um, Dan Campbell would not get into specifics about what he's doing off campus in regards to his injury, but he said that's what he that's why he's not here. And so he said by the end of the week, we hope that he's in in the building Um, based on everything we heard him say between Sunday and Monday. You know, he said it's going to he's going to be there a little bit longer than we expected. And and estimates had was like kind of 50 50 whether he was going to start on the pup or not so to me i again i don't want to speculate too much but this doesn't seem like oh we'll see him next monday type of thing it's 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 hopefully we get to see him i don't know at the midway point or something like i don't know it, it he's being purposely vague so it's very hard to kind of make a read on it i don't know if i would say at this point that i'm worried he won't be ready for week one but i don't i also don't think that's out of the question like maybe he does miss the opener maybe you know he gets activated from the pup before that but is still kind of in that ramp up period. And so I, I think that the takeaway here is like right now, Jerry Jacobs is in the driver's seat for the starting job there. And then the big one today, the one that got everyone scared. And this is one of those days where I'm very glad I woke up on the West coast when all this was all this. And I worked late last night and all this drama was over by then. Although maybe not, because Jeremy, I, I know we talked about this a little bit, and this injury looked a lot scarier than what it's come out to be. But C.J. Gardner-Johnson went down during practice on Monday today. And reports I had seen out of there seemed to have ranged from it looked really bad. I don't it looks almost like an ACL. People were kind of flying off the handle at that. There was a lot of doomer. Then in thunders, Tom Pelissero to calm us all down and says that, he is expected to be day to day. I'm just pulling up Pelissero's tweet. There's optimism that Lions DB CJ Gardner Johnson knee, knee injury is not serious per sources. More tests to come went down in practice day, but as one put it, source put it, he's fine. And I believe at this point, day to day, but I know to you and Brian, that did not look day to day. No. Yeah, I was I was on hand there, obviously, during today's practice. And and yeah, it was it looked bad. Like he, he went down. It was hard to tell. There was kind of, you know, talking with other reporters. Some say it looked like maybe it was non-contact based on my kind of point of view. It looked like he was getting blocked on a, on a run play uh, and then just kind of collapsed. And like, he was punching his leg almost like he was, I don't know, like he was almost trying to like put it back in its place. It's kind of how a lot of us described the, how it looked. Um, but like, he would not put any pressure on that leg. He had to be carried to the cart. Um, it was it was bad looking. And um, even some people put out reports that it was non-contact, which the, the lines put out a, a report basically saying, like, that's not true. Um, but, yeah, like the latest news, um, and I believe it came from ESPN's Field Yates, is that he had an MRI, no structural damage and is day to day. So that is like an absolute huge relief because obviously C.J. Gardner Johnson, um, one of the biggest free agent pickups, um, not I mean, not irreplaceable with some of the lions that are on the roster, but certainly like 
a heart and soul type of guy, a veteran who knows what he's doing. I mean, we keep talking about how important communication and chemistry is in the secondary. Having someone who has experience with Aaron Glenn, has that ability to communicate on the field. He is a key part of this defense. And so to to now know that, you know, instead of saying like, well, maybe there's a chance he plays in December. It's like, oh, he's probably going to play week one. Like, this is crazy. Like, that is a huge shift in dynamic, a huge change in energy because like, yeah, the you know, when injuries like this happen to to a big player like that, sure, the team has to shift like 15 yards downfield so they're they don't get in the way, but you can you can feel the energy sucked out of the practice a little bit. And so it was walking on eggshells there for for a good hour, hour and a half there. And hopefully we came out on the other end and with, with a lot of good news. I think the other thing to keep in mind though, and there are a lot of people that did go kind of doom and gloom. And I think that there was there was something that I said on Twitter after the the news of the injury happened that a lot of people interpreted as doom and gloom, but it's just reality of the situation. Literally the day before you have Dan Campbell. The first thing that comes out of his mouth is it's going to take a little bit longer than we expected with Emmanuel Mosley. And then the very next day in practice, CJ Gardner Johnson gets carted off the field. That's two of the three players that the team picked up to to fix their cornerback room, right? <laughs> yep. Like, yep. and I understand what Jeremy's saying. Like, there there are replacements. Brian Branch is a potential solution in in any time that you know CJ misses time. But by the same token, you can't treat the potential loss of 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 CJ GJ as that's oh, fine. It's just, it's just next man up. They'll be okay. Getting CJ Gardner Johnson was literally the point of the offseason where I said, oh man, Detroit is different because they are attracting top tier talent. Like this guy was tied for the lead in interceptions last year. Like it's not, it's not just like a, okay, next man up kind of thing. The the Lions went out and got three big name players who have, who have played well and some have played really well. It's, it, it felt like, oh man, like the sky's kind of falling a little bit, but you know, the, the news that he's quote unquote going to be, you know, fine. And it's day to day. Like that's a huge sigh of relief. Like, I, I don't know. Like it was the reality of the situation. I didn't feel like I was overstating anything. Does that make sense to you guys? I think it makes sense. Yeah. Like it's, it is, it's, it's, you start to stack one on top of the other. And at this point, as you said, those were the two big, two of the biggest acquisitions they made in this off season. And it just feels like then, okay, great. Most of that free agent progress is just kind of wiped out. Branch is a branch is a rookie. We'll wait to see how he develops. But it's and you know it is it is a bit worrying. And you just kind of hope that the rest of the depth can step up in the in the in the process. But I'm more just hoping that CJGJ is just gonna be good. Yeah. The the only thing I would add is like, yeah, it would have been devastating and the, and there's no way to to sugarcoat that. But I will say like this team, part of the reason I think we think that we're confident in this team is that the, the depth is better than ever and that one injury shouldn't completely de- derail this team's dreams to be NFC North champions outside of maybe like a an injury to a more premier permission. I won't even put out who who's popping into my mind right now. Um, Don't do that. Don't do yeah. that. But yeah, like is is the season over if if, if this injury would have been? much more serious no, no no and i don't think that's what you were saying either but we no, can't it was, downplay it was one, like it was one stacking on top of another right uh, i mean we're talking about you know a, a a player that 
NFL insiders rated like the what number six or seventh best safety in the league. Like that, that's a loss. You can't, you can't just say like, now oh, Brian branch is going to step in. He's going to be fine. But, uh, but at the same time, this team, this team is built to, to withstand some injuries in some positions. And I think that's probably one of them. Um, but again, that's, that's relying on a lot of faith. So um, yeah, thankfully we don't need to go down that road. Hopefully he's going to be fine. Hopefully he's going to be good to go uh, right at the beginning. Cause listen, like we're going to need him week one. All right. Yep. Got the chiefs. Yep. Chiefs, chiefs are coming to town. Ta- chiefs going to chiefs kingdom right off the top. It is a little bit of panic. And I think that uh, we will, it's going to keep those panic fires stoked for a while. Just every, every little update on CJ, on CJ Gardner, Johnson. I can't do CJ GJ. It just throws me off too much. Is going to keep us on the edge of our toes. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we have a couple more roster moves to discuss, include, including the return of someone who I think for a while this offseason, I just kind of gave up on the Lions re-signing, and he, re- he re-signed, and it means a huge things for the running back room. Also, kicker battle. Jeremy's favorite. Also, I know everyone wanted to talk about uh, Mims. We are going to talk about Mims. We have plenty of that and a quarterback for Ryan. A quarterback for us all. A quarterback for you. We will be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Before we get into a couple bit of roster news to talk about, I want to ask Jeremy something. Uh, I am curious about what you have down as your biggest surprise or most impressive we've seen in the first two days, because obviously we're on a weekly format with POD cast itself. And this is the last time I'm going to get to, I am allowed to talk to you in about seven days. So <laughs> by all means, please, I want an answer. Well, yeah, like I obviously we're only two practices in, so I can't come up with any like sweeping like, oh, my God, this guy's going to blow things up. Um, but I think maybe the most interesting story to me is Charles Harris's kind of increased role. Uh, and yeah, Ryan is is raising his eyebrows because he recently wrote an article about Charles Harris and how the best might be yet to come. And it seems like they're changing his role a little bit or expanding his role is probably a better way to put it. 
Um, the Lions have been doing a lot of five-man fronts, which means using a Sam linebacker more often than not, which in, in, in case you don't really know, it's 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 kind of like a stand-up edge, right? Like sometimes you're blitzing, sometimes maybe it's not even fair to call it blitzing, you're, you're pass rushing, sometimes you're dropping back into coverage, and that's what we've all said, like, oh, that's something James Houston is going to do kind of on a rotational basis. He's a really good pass rusher. They're making him do a lot more drops into coverage. Well, when linebackers have been doing those individual drills, working on dropping into coverage, Charles Harris has been with them, which is a, a new development. And then when they're doing 11 on 11, it's a lot of five man fronts. And Charles Harris is kind of the first guy out there, which means a lot of things. It means Charles Harris is probably going to be used a lot more. It means James Houston is second on the depth chart there, which is probably going to upset some people, but I wouldn't get too upset about it. Cause I think they're still going to find ways to use him. And third, I think, I mean, Julian Aquara is now even further down the depth chart. Although him and, James Houston have kind of been splitting the backup role behind Charles Harris. So um, just kind of like a really interesting development. I think Charles Harris is going to be a very important person to this defense. In fact, we've heard coaches say that this year. Um, so I think that's kind of the the most interesting development in terms of maybe most impressive or, or surprising performance. Um, it's tough because, you know, a lot of a lot of the good performances are guys that we've talked about a million times. Sam Laporta looks good. I'm on looks dominant. Um, I guess I'd go with Starling Thomas, right? I feel like that's also a really interesting story. He seems very much destined to be a, a prime special teamer on this team, given his speed as, as a gunner, he's just like perfect for a gunner. Um, we, we heard Dan Campbell talk about him a little bit. He, he's getting a little time with the twos with Emmanuel Mosley out. And so like, not a huge surprise. Like we did our bubble watch, Ryan, and, and basically everyone had Starling Thomas in. So maybe this isn't a complete surprise, but seeing him kind of follow up, on the expectations as a rookie UDFA is something that's uh, pretty good to see this early in camp. Yeah. And then the other, I mean, obviously Brian branch too, kind of, oh, yeah. uh, you know, impressing in terms of no question, his ability to fly around the field. When I think that there were some concerns about like, Oh, he kind of like slower 40 time. Yeah. Not a concern. Right. Yeah, no. He, I, and, and he looks, he's making plays on defense too. So like, that I don't think a lot of people expected his developmental curve to be that long, given you're coming from Alabama and doing everything for Alabama. And I think that's proving very much to be true. He's he's good to go. I think uh, you mentioned Julian Acquire earlier, and I know we had talked about him last week as someone who really needed to prove. And I feel like, again, Harris's gain is Acquire's loss. And it's getting really rough at this point to kind of like because as much as like, yeah, he might split times or whatever, like. I think with us looking at him on the outside, it's it's hard to justify his roster spot at this point. It's yeah. it just we talked about this before. There's too many mouths to feed on the edge on the edge rushers, and if Harris is now in the mix too, along with everyone else, just I just don't see the role for Aquara for Julian Aquara moving forward. Yeah, I mean the lines are doing right by him and giving him every opportunity to win mm-hmm. a job. Like like I said, he's repping behind um, <clears throat> Charles Harris in a lot of these situations, so. He's going to get his chance, but it does seem like it's inevitable. And, and mm-hmm. you know, you never want to call a training camp battle in, in, in the first week before the pads even come on. Like, obviously, when the pad comes on, the, the whole dynamic changes, but he's got a lot of work to do. Well, we do have one battle that has heated up. That is getting really hot. That's the kicker battle. Because Michael Bagley, Badgley, excuse me, was released by the Detroit Lions earlier this week uh late uh, last week excuse me i'm really screwing up here adequate so dan campbell explained the cut over the weekend 
Uh, it was hard to let him go. And they just really, they, they felt like he was very similar to Riley Patterson, specifically called, specifically compared Patterson and Riley. So it feels like of the kickers remaining Parker Romo coming from the XFL and Riley Patterson, who was with the lions last, last preseason, last training camp and lost the battle to, to Cybert who then, and then Patterson went on and had a, a decent year with Jacksonville. It feels like he thought Bagley and Patterson were very close together. So I don't know what that means for Romo. It's clearly that there's a different type of kicker in Romo, but now we've got kind of a type A type B battle between Romo and Patterson. And now this is really exciting. And Hamza is off somewhere jumping up and down in his New York apartment. I'll I'll regrettably talk about this. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, you, you it, need it, a kicker. I'm sorry, Jeremy. Oh, you need you a do. kicker. Not every not every drive is going to end in either a yes. turnover of down or t- or a touchdown. Like teams in the playoffs need guys to hit three points. Could, could we insert a little bit of news here too, though? Badgley signed by Washington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, that that was another part of the calculus, though, Jeremy, is like when Badgley was initially cut, it was oh, this might just be some roster tinkering, moving some numbers, and, and maybe he'll yeah. be back. But Lions moved on. Yeah, and it was it was pretty clear on Sunday when, when Dan Campbell talked about it that, that he wasn't coming back. And I think that the two most interesting things he said um, were, was one, the, the thing that Chris said, like Badgley and, and Patterson are, are very similar. Mm-hmm. Patterson might have a longer career arc. I think I think they looked at Patterson's year and said like maybe that one got away from us maybe we, we made a mistake there and to, to their defense like cyber was the better kicker last camp he got an injury and so like that's not their fault that like maybe cyber if hadn't if he hadn't gotten injured he would be the Lions kicker still and, and we wouldn't have this but I think I think it was close last year I think they probably liked Patterson a lot and then when he became available like we probably prefer this guy to Badgley Patchley's been dealing with an injury of, of his own. And maybe they're like, let's not mess around with kicker injuries. Like we did last year. It burned us. Let's keep Patterson. Those two are similar. And then the other thing that I thought he said that was interesting is he, he called Parker Romo the wild card and specifically said, um, let me pull the quote here. Wild card. I like that. It was weird because he's like, he's kind of the wild card. He has a big leg. And then this is the interesting. He said, there's a level of development to him that needs to take place. Which is kind of weird, right? Like you don't this, think this of a is, kicker as someone who needs development, but that tells me all that I need to know about where the standing is right now. Mm-hmm. If you think Patterson, you like Patterson enough to get rid of Badgley, and you think Romo is a developmental guy, this is Patterson's job to lose, in my opinion. Absolutely. Like, granted, like I prefer to have the the strong armed kicker or strong legged kicker. Um, I think that's important when it comes to the end of the games. I, I want a guy who can maybe can give us a shot at 61 if we need to at the end of a game. But I understand that you, you like you also need the guy that can kick the 30 yarder. Yeah, six, if it's 63 yards. Or no, yeah, 63 yards are no good if you're going to be wide left. Yeah, right. I, the development thing is fascinating because, again, like. I mean, it, it is the XFL, but he was special teams player of the year for them, and he was still his accuracy wasn't too terrible there either. So maybe it's just a matter of like, but look, at the end of the day, Patterson's seen and understands how things work in the NFL. And he had a full season with the Jaguars. He's just, he has more applicable time in the major league. You know what they say when you have three kickers, you don't have one. So hopefully they, they've whittled it down and I don't think figure any, it out. I don't think anyone says that. 
Hey, and, and they're they're they all do. perfect so far. They're all five for five. Granted, they haven't kicked anything, I think, beyond like 42 or 43 yet. But mm. so far, so good. But are you charting like how they used to in the Mad Minicamp modes? Like if you kick it at a certain part, like you get more points. So have you been tracking which ones are more down the middle? No. I think you should be. Are doing they that. are they kicking from it's like the pride sides Detroit of the, difference? Are they kicking from like sides of the field or from the uh, what was the hat different different uh... hash marks? I don't. I don't yeah, know. yeah. You're asking me way too many special teams questions, and also we're we'll standing on the sidelines, we'll not the end zone, so we can't really see how how center is the kick going through the the middle there. So, well, how far away are they from you? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just being. I'm, I'm in, I don't, stop it. I know you, you don't. It. You don't like kickers. I get it. Talk about your guy. You want to? Why are you dilly dallying when when your guy is the next topic? John Parker Romo is my guy too. Just want you to know that. Well, uh, you should yeah. learn to say his name as he prefers it, which is Parker Romo. I know it. It is. I know. I know. <laughs> Justin Jackson is back. That's the other bit of news we had from this week. Um, this one was really surprising because. I think we've said several I've asked I you, you mentioned he's my guy and it was several times during the show where I asked, you know, I almost thought they were going to bring him back. He did fair well enough as like an RB three, four for the Lions last year. And yet we just uh, the the offseason dragged on and on. I, I think what happened is maybe it sounds like he wanted to test the waters out there in free agencies again. And he's just come back to the Lions. So Justin Jackson is resigned. So he resigns late, uh, Ryan. But I think this this is really fascinating now because going into camp, we were very we we had kind of a clear picture of what was going to happen at RB3 that it was, you know, I'm not saying it was Craig Reynolds job to lose. But at the same time, we had already identified the people who are going to compete for that position, be that Mohamed Ibrahim or or uh, or some of the other or Jamar Jefferson. And now Justin Jackson, in my mind, takes a huge step up in the in here. I don't think he's taken it from Craig Reynolds at all, but if you're but he's definitely, I would think, he provides probably the most competition to someone like Jeremar Jefferson right now. Jeremy hit hit us with uh, the very interesting soundbite that Dan Campbell had to say about Justin Jackson. Well, yeah, because was- I, th- I think that was really telling. Yeah, there was a couple of things. One, he was saying like we were in constant contact with him all offseason. Like there was, mm-hmm. I think there was mutual interest in in him bringing him back for for a while. And a lot of times when you have a veteran like Justin Jackson, they're just like, yeah, I'm going to wait a while. I don't want to go through OTAs. I don't want to go through minicamp. I'm just going to wait a while. There's no hurry. Um, but yeah, the other thing he said, um, and he's talking about just like he's a good special teams player. He's a reliable third down back for us. He was. It got to a point. Uh, this is where I'm quoting him directly. He says, it got to a point where he was doing one or two critical things for us, a game to help us. So it just made sense for both parties and his and ours. And so that's what he brings. He brings competition back. And really, he brings what we feel is he's at least a number three back. At least mm-hmm. a number three back. Um, well, <laughs> that, at least. that more or less is like handing him the RB3 that, job. <laughs> well, let me tell you who might also be in trouble now, too, is Jason Cabinda. I did the profile on Cabinda, and as much as it sounds like, you know, maybe the Lions would like to keep a fullback, the whole argument of keeping Cabinda at this point is special teams play. And Jackson brings you a lot of special teams play. Justin Jackson, here, here's the thing. Bottom line, the guy has done it, and he and he does it in a variety of different ways, right? Like yeah. when, when the Lions dealt with injuries with Craig Reynolds and they dealt with injuries with DeAndre Swift – 
who was the guy who was in the backfield? Justin Jackson was getting a lot of play on offense, not just special teams, but he's clearly a guy they trust. And he's a guy that they can definitely trust on third down and protecting the quarterback. Like he definitely has the inside track to being running back three. I think at this point, like, I mean, kind of with or without what Dan Campbell said, but with what Dan Campbell said, it's like, okay, like who is, who's fighting for RB four if, if that spot exists. Good question, because do you want someone that's like Justin Jackson that, that can do a little bit of everything, or are you looking for maybe a more specialized guy since you're further down the, the depth chart? Or are um, you looking for someone maybe developmental like Ibrahim, too? You just want to keep him on the full roster if he's good enough. Like Certainly possible. And like, I don't know. I, I still, the entire calculus, yeah. I still tend to think it's it's Craig Reynolds who is a guy who can do a little bit of everything because, you, I mean, you can't get enough of those guys. And if you're going to carry an RB3, Maybe you're carrying him on the active roster, which means he's going to play special teams. I think special teams is going to be tough for someone like Mo. I think special teams is something that Jamar Jefferson has been working on, but we don't really know where he's at with that. So I, I still think it's it's likely Craig Reynolds next in line, but now it just really feels like the RB3 conversation just got shifted to RB4. Yes. Yeah, and I think it shifted to RB4 and it shifted to do the Lions even bother carrying fullback? It's uh, I don't know. So you you, how how would you say it right now? Like, or, or is that something? Where where are you looking, Jeremy? Looking at this competition going forward, like if it does shift to RB four, who has that inside track of those guys we laid out? Again, I I I still think it's Craig Reynolds. Like like mm-hmm. I said, he he's 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 the most proven special teamer of the group. He's a guy that that can provide. Like he's played some running back for this team and been productive at at every aspect of it right as a as a runner as as a receiver as as a pass blocker like i think he's capable of doing it all it's just he's he's further along in his career so if if you prefer a younger option if you prefer jamar jefferson if you if jamar jefferson and moe ibrahim get close enough then maybe you choose the younger option just because they're younger i think the one other interesting wrinkle to pay close attention to is what we saw in hard knocks last year all the input that you get from positional coaches do Staley's yeah. not here anymore. And maybe uh-huh. do Staley was a huge Craig Reynolds fan, but sure. Scotty Montgomery we'll see, yeah. but, or maybe, yeah. maybe he was the reason why they kept bringing back Jermar Jefferson too. Like, you know, this, this team is stuck by Jermar Jefferson in spite of quite a bit of injury history with him. Yeah. Just trying to get him on the field. And I don't know if they like Justin Jackson that much, that kind of pushes him way outside the bubble, in my opinion. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, yes, we will talk about Denzel Mims. I think people got really excited about him, and it makes the wide receiver question even more hairy. And we'll ask Jeremy about it because I think you got to see a little bit of him in practice as well. So we'll see if the hype is real. And then we, but before we get there, I feel like I should just see the floor to Ryan on a quarterback issue. I'll make him wait a little bit though, but it's his guy. We're getting to everyone's guys today, right? Right, Ryan? Yes, we are. And we will be talking about Theodore Edmund Bridgewater. That's right. The bigger Teddy. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride to Detroit POD cast segment three. We have some more to talk about uh, the signing of Denzel. Or I should say the trade, excuse me, of Denzel Mims for a conditional six and seventh really set the Detroit Lions Twitter aflutter. Jeremy, uh, this was a huge move to a lot of people. It's always exciting when you can see a former second round pick swap hands for something that cheap. The Jets seemed to be parting with Mims and had no real use of him, and it has completely changed up the outlook of the bottom of the wide receiver room right now, which is already stacked, and I feel like we've just shoved someone else into the clown car right now trying to get this thing to start. So you've seen Mims in action now. Where where are we standing on the outlook of Mims to make this roster? Because I don't think it is just because they traded picks a guaranteed lock for him to make the roster. Yeah. And in fact, I went into camp thinking he's on the outside looking in. Um, I know the lions have their, their top four guys pretty much locked in. And we've been talking about Antoine green is maybe that fifth. And then not sure if there's even a sixth spot available. Um, but Mims is, is an interesting guy. Like it's an interesting story. He's a guy who, you know, was very productive in college, albeit a kind of a small school kind of quirky offense. Um, has all the athletic tricks you would want in a wide receiver, but just did not work in New York. And I talked with the guys at Gang Green Nation, the SB Nation Jets pod, and they're like, I know what you're all going to think. You're all going to say the Jets quarterbacks were horrible. He never got his opportunities. Well, that's not completely true. We've had productive wide receivers here like Garrett Wilson, right? Um, without having a productive quarterback. He's, he was given opportunities. It's not like they just benched him and never get, had, like he was in games and, and didn't produce. Um, but the one thing he did say is like, it, it, it never seems like a character issue with him. Like, it seems like he's putting in the work. It's just not clicking. Um, but I will say, like, I came in to training camp with that in my mind, that in the back of my mind, like, listen, sometimes these, these, these smaller school guys, they, they just don't produce on the next level. Um, or and Baylor's not small school necessarily, but like, no, you know what but, I mean? like, but it is, it is still even changing over. It's always had a reputation for right. getting guys from the Texas high school pipeline who are yeah. much more suited to a cup, co- like the college system is yes. coming closer to the NFL or the NFL is coming closer to the college system, but they are still like, there's a specific type of wide receiver that right. works at a school like Baylor in the big 12 that just doesn't translate overnight to the NFL. Yes. And so I came into training camp with kind of that in the back of my head, like, I don't have a lot of expectations for this guy. It didn't work out in the Jets. He he just might be one of those wide receivers that 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 doesn't make that NFL transition. And today, Monday, I thought he had a very very good practice. I thought he made some acrobatic catches. I, his speed is one thousand percent obvious when you're out there, and so he does have the physical tools. And I think he's also putting in the work. The first day he was out there, almost as long as as Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond, which in and of itself is is definitely an accomplishment. And we talked to him today uh, after practice, and the, I think the most interesting thing he said was Jared Goff called him. He was the first person to call him after the trade, and they talked for twenty to thirty minutes. And what did they want? To, what did he want to talk about? 
scheme, the playbook. And so he has just been consuming that nonstop for the past, you know, whatever it's been four days. And he says like, I think I'm good with the playbook. I think I'm good with the scheme. I'm going to continue to, you know, get all the nuances of the, of the rule book and everything. But like mentally, I think he's in a very strong place. Physically, he's got all the tools. And in general, I'm not that much of a proponent of, oh, you just move this guy to a new place and with new coaches and all this and everything's going to be okay. Remember, he went through two coaching staffs in New York and it didn't work out. That said, early returns are are good enough where I'm like, okay, I'm I'm watching, I'm listening. Like, show me what you got. Do I think this guy is going to like suddenly be, you know, one B to Jameson Williams and suddenly they have this one two attack with Amon Ra on the side? Like, no. I, I I don't I don't even think his ceiling should be that high, but is he a guy that I don't know, could could battle his way into being a contributor in those first six weeks of the season and then maybe stick around beyond that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's possible and maybe more. It's more possible today than I thought it was 48 hours ago. And so I, I think it's it's a fascinating trade. Um, I'm I'm not the, the, the great part about it, though, Ryan, is like it's a no risk trade, right? Yeah, with the conditions being that he has to make the 53 man roster in order for those those picks to convey. So, yeah, I, he, I mean, do you think any of this was brought on with just knowing that Marvin Jones Jr. wasn't going to be ready at the beginning of camp? No, I don't think so. Because Mar- to me, Marvin Jones' injury is, is a non-issue. Like, I know he's on on the NFI, and I know back injuries is scary, especially when you're 33 as someone who's dealt with back injuries around that age. Not fun, um, but I've seen him out there at practice, and he's working hard with the trainer. I think they're just like, you're 33, you got a little bit of a back injury? Chill. Like, we're good. <laughs> we You don't need to do anything. Um We've talked about the expanded practice squad a little bit before, Jeremy, and I think it's kind of still helps out here, too. We talked about in the last podcast about like, hey, Tom, or actually, there might have been a scrap that I threw out. But like we talked about how Tom Kennedy's been able to keep, thanks to the new rules with the practice squad, been able to jump up and down quite a bit from the practice squad. And as stacked as the wide receiver room is, there's still a lot of guys that if you're intrigued with some of them practice squad is still an option for them. So I, I don't know if that means Mims is going to make the roster. I'm not saying that at all, but I think it does mean that no, but they're not really sacrificing anything with this move to, to bring him in and continue expanding the competition. That's what this entire retool, whatever you want to call it is, is built upon and, and predicated upon is like competition. And I viewed this as as really nothing more than that, just because you get an opportunity to to get a guy who, again, maybe a change of scenery might be really good for him, but you also get a guy who fits a a profile type. You know, the the Lions have a need for big body X receivers for the first six weeks of the season. So why not jump the waiver wire claim line, uh, grab Denzel Mims and see if it works. And if it doesn't, you tried, you know, um, if it does work out great, you have a, you have another productive player that you can slot in there and, and can get some reps for you early on when, when you're going to need them. So, and, and all it cost you was a swap of a sixth and a seventh round pick in two years. Yeah. I don't think that, but like, I've seen some people saying like, well, he's got to make the roster now that you swap picks is like, it's a sixth and a seventh well, conditional and, and, sixth. Right. And the condition is that he has to make the roster. Make the so roster. If he doesn't make right. the roster. You caught it. You didn't t- send any picks anywhere. You're fine. Not even the seventh. Mm-hmm. 
I thought they sent the seventh. No, it's a swap of sixth and seventh. They're not oh, giving away two me. picks. Yeah, okay, so it just reverses. They're sending a sixth, a conditional sixth for a conditional seventh. In okay, return. my bad. I I I I screwed up my reading on that. That's adequate of me. Okay, it's all right. We're clarifying for the listener. Mm-hmm. It's truly a Brad Holmes fleece if the language of the conditionals was. You know, the Lions still get the seventh round pick. We get we get to we get to keep putting even if, if they we don't put him on the roster. <laughs> if we don't put him on the roster, then we lose nothing. Yeah. That, that's 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 what it is. It's great. Uh is it time to talk about Teddy? Yeah. Talking about competition. Talking about not Ryan's son. Uh Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater was uh pointed towards Detroit as part of a visit on Monday. This came in after practice on Monday. We haven't heard anything else yet, and I worry a little bit this information might be a little bit out to date. But Teddy Bridgewater did come to Detroit on a free agent visit. And I think it is fascinating for a lot of reasons. But as we have chided you over over the months, this is your boy. So I feel like I want to ask you how you're feeling about this. And if the Lions want to, because this isn't this isn't the first time the Lions have had interest in Teddy Bridgewater. There was a strong there was a strong contract offer that was being made to Bridgewater, uh, according to ESPN, back around the time of the draft, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So, like, there's there's been embers here and they're being stoked again. Sure. And, you know, as you mentioned, I think it was uh, Jeremy Fowler who reported that. But um you know, when that happened, it made sense in a bubble because the Lions hadn't drafted Hendon Hooker yet. And I think I think we get the sense that they're going to take things very slow with Hendon. Right. I, I don't think that there's any rush to get him out there on the field uh, playing until until he's physically ready and maybe even mentally ready, too. Um, but I guess this just calls into question to me. I think it calls into question of do they view Nate Sudfeld as the guy who could step in in a pinch? And again, Jeremy knows like they don't really have a reason to do that per se, because he has looked pretty solid and sharp, um, you know, through the spring and, and now into training camp, they obviously really like Nate. They, they brought him in last year and they have him again here this year, but just exactly what we said with Denzel Mims, and what is really the uh, what would be the cost of bringing in somebody like Teddy Bridgewater? And if it works, great. You have a guy who has a proven track record as a backup, has a familiarity with Dan Campbell from his time in New Orleans. If it doesn't work out, if the Lions do sign Teddy Bridgewater, right? But if 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 they sign him and it, and it doesn't work out and they and they move on from him, okay. Well, then Nate Sudfeld won the job. Like I don't think I view this as anything other than again. This regime is predicated on competition and may the best man win the job. If Teddy Bridgewater's that guy, awesome. If he's not, well, they're wrong for choosing Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> well, it's fascinating too, because literally today, and maybe someone had in, inside information here, was asked about Nate Sudfeld. And he kept, I mean, he praised him for sure. I think I think you could read some of it as kind of backhanded-ish. Um, but here's a quote from him. It says, we like Nate though. And, and he really just to be around him and watch him pick with the playbook, watch him on the scout team last year. We never felt like if we needed him, that was going to be, 
an issue is basically what he was saying. He says, here's what you want to know that a guy can go in there and at the very least, he's going to get you in the right play. He can function. He's not going to panic. That, that to me sounds a little backhanded. Like at the very least, he's not going to, he's not going to lose his head. Um, He's not going to pee on the floor. (laughs) Right. Um, But then he goes on and says, now everything is, is not going to be perfect. Right. Like you just want to know, Hey, this isn't going to be too big for him. And he knows the playbook and he'll get us in the right play. And we've got a certain way. And I do believe with Nate and I'm talking about that's that's the starting point. And I, so yeah, that's the starting point with him. Like at least Nate is is already there where he's he's going to do things that aren't going to look embarrassing on, on film. Um, and then and then he continues to say, now we get another year of him. We're in camp. Let's see where it goes. I thought by the end of spring, he was doing some really good things. So we're excited to have him back. Not not certainly not a full endorsement of him. Um, I, I think there might also be a feeling in the building that he's not getting properly pushed at this point. Um, I, t- I talked about Adrian Martin in his, in the spring, he was not good. Spoiler alert. Not much has changed there in the first two days of training camp. So, so yeah, it, it might, it might simply be a competition thing. It might simply be, and, and also it's worth throwing out, like literally as we were just talking here, Dave Burkett put an article out an article saying no, no signing is imminent with Teddy. doesn't mean things can't change in 12 hours, 24 hours, but no reason to jump the gun and, and assume that Teddy Bridgewater is, is going to sign just because he visited. I'm sure a lot of that is just like, hey, are you in good shape? Are you healthy? Let's let's update our notebook in case something happens. Um, but but at the same time, like I, th- I think most of us can agree if they bring in Teddy Bridgewater, it's got a pretty darn good chance of, of beating Nate Sudfeld in in a, in a camp battle. Um, so if that's what they decide to do, it's a. Uh, it adds another interesting development and an interesting camp battle that we didn't think was necessarily on the list of camp battles this year. Um, and it'll probably garner a lot of kind of fun attention. So I, I don't mind adding extra competition to a backup quarterback job as long as the price is right. I don't love spending a ton of money on a backup quarterback, let alone two. But um, maybe maybe even we start talking about the new quarterback rule and and how keeping three on your roster, you get that kind of extra spot when it comes to game day with an emerging court. Maybe to, that to the act playing into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's that's a little too much insidery baseball. I don't think they're they're money balling it that hard at this point. I think it just mean just might mean like, hey, we have competition at all the other other positions. Why not backup quarterback? No, I but, I agree with that assessment. It just it doesn't feel like it's like any kind of master stroke play it's just if if he comes in he'll be trying to compete with nate sutfeld and that's just all there is to it at this point like and i think i think i agree with ryan like i think from the body of work we've seen from the applicable real-time snaps he's taken in games teddy bridgewater would be better than nate sudfeld in almost every i don't even know if it'd be much of a competition if you brought in teddy bridgewater because i think he's just that much farther ahead than someone like Nate Sudfeld. And you've already got your developmental quarterback with Hendon Hooker, so there's no real spot for him there. It's just a matter of, are you going to spend more money for a more experienced quarterback too or not? Yeah. Just two things, just hearing you and Jeremy talk. The one thing is, you know, there's so much smoke here. Like, where's the fire? You know what I mean? Like, you have the interest around the draft. Right, And, and now it's coming back around and it's you literally you're you're in training camp now um so not to keep on going back and hammering home the brad Holmes sliding into home plate quarterback thing but maybe this is 
maybe this has something to do with it of like Brad Holmes is going to like cross all his T's and dot all his I's and make sure that all of his, you know, um, ducks are in a row when it comes to having this position figured out. So I think that there's something to say to, to that effect. And, and I think just the other thing is, I think that there is this perception that, yeah, the backup quarterback should be a guy who can, you know, um, be a great, uh, reference point. He should be a, a great like guy that you can call on to be, you know, in the film room and, and help it out a ton and, and things like that. And there definitely is value to that. And for all intents and purposes, that's usually maybe the best role for a backup quarterback, or you should prioritize it as being one of the most important things because that's viably where they're going to be doing or having their biggest impact from a week to week basis. That guy like would be Teddy Bridgewater. Like, I know all those things can be said for or all those things can be said probably for Nate Sudfeld, and I know that they like him and everything. But I mean, like Chris said, Teddy Bridgewater has a track record of on-field play, especially for a backup that Nate Sudfeld just absolutely objectively does not have. And, and yeah, I was I was gonna say, and, and it's been with Dan Campbell, right? Yeah, you, you time in New like Orleans, that. right? Yeah, in in, in well. In Miami? No, not Miami, too. Um, no, 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 no. That would have been way before Teddy. No, Probably. it would have been um, in New Orleans. It would have been I think New you're Orleans. Right. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't so long ago that the Lions were playing the Denver Broncos against Teddy Bridgewater, and Dan Campbell talked about it. And he, he said, quote, I've got a lot of respect for Teddy Bridgewater because I think he's a winner in this league. Man, he'll hurt you in the play-action pass. He's going to be smart with the football. Like, he knows. He he knows Teddy, respects Teddy, and so I don't think it's a coincidence that the lines are showing interest here. It just does feel like like why are we playing footsie here? Let's just get to, let's just get to let's it. Let's get right? it done. We're running out of time here, man. Season's starting soon. Yeah. Well, you know the conversation that nobody nobody wants to have is you know Teddy Bridgewater gets brought into Detroit. What does that mean for Jared Goff? Oh God, I'm kidding, <laughs> guys. Put your hair down. Let's have a little fun here at the end of the podcast. It is the end of the podcast. You're right about that. We're going to end on that note. Uh, we've got, so most of our usual offerings are on hold for a couple of weeks, I believe, Jeremy. We're still weighing about Twitter spaces, but I think First Bite is on pause while we do these daily updates from training camp. Yes. Um, I've got, I will say, yeah, go ahead. This is this is a live exclusive. Um, we We will be doing a watch along party with Inside the Den, which is debuting on Thursday night this week. Yeah, so and now that you guys it, have like harassed the ad, uh, harassed their social team enough. Yes, and now you're complaining about how it's not mid June. Um, I don't have an official uh, an official time on when that's going to debut on on Thursday. Usually it's around eight o'clock. Um, but we'll be live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit, watching it live, nice. giving our live reactions. And I'm gonna, I, I have a little insider information here. You're you're gonna want to set a set aside some extra time on Thursday. It's big and chunky, I've heard. Yes, a lot, a lot of time, a lot of time. Uh, let's see what else we might have. I'm I'm keeping one of these last deep dish dives in the hole. I don't know if I've put DDD on hold. We are going to record some new ones here in the next couple weeks or so as well, though. And I know I want to get Ryan involved in them if he would like to be part of it. Maybe a little Miko too. I was going to say I have reached out to 
I was going to reach out to Miko tonight about some other stuff, and he absolutely gets the Christopher Fett invitation. Come on and put your feet up on PODcast. And I think our Twitch audience has been clamoring for Miko this entire time, too. So Miko's going to be here. We'll all be here because this is Pride Detroit, and we just keep taking over things. Taking it over at all. Brian, any final words? Do the right thing. Sign Teddy Bridgewater. Thank you. For myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, this has been PODcast, and we will see you starside. <laughs>